0: Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Make Father's Day Great Again, Dr. Simone Gold's outrageous sentence, The Fundamental Destruction of America and the J6 Committee, and the Texas GOP Convention Equals America's Mood. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. can we talking to today's first five i'm debbie Addis. you know i do this show monday through thursday so i never really have a day like friday to make a comment about the holidays often fall on weekends one having been father's day which was just yesterday so i hope all of you had a lovely father's day you were able to celebrate your own father your husband your sons uh the men in your life and and family and friends who really are exemplary and wonderful fathers I wanted to say something about fatherhood in America, and I know that many, many people talk about this issue. And is not what I'm about to say is not news. But we have a massive decline in America of intact family units, a massive decline of homes in a percentage of homes in which people, young people, grow up with a dad in the home. And I'll just very quick statistics in 2014, uh, for one example, and that's not even obviously that recent. But you know the the Percentage of kids growing up in homes where there's a dad uh, continues to decline. But 2014 data showed over 40% of babies were born out of wedlock, and uh, the unfortunately for that, uh, for the African American community, 70%—70%—of babies, uh, black babies, are born in a home with no family, with no father. Um, and overall, for women under the age of 30 bearing children, over 65% were born to women who were not married. And I'm, what has been so amazing is the left's ability, as I do with every other issue, the left's ability to contort that just undeniable truth that children do best growing up in a home with a mother and father Actually, loving them, teaching them, caring for them, paying attention. The left has managed to contort any discussion about that into an accusation that somehow you are intolerant, you are old-fashioned, you know something, you know something about out of the old days and the Puritans who are just were so uh, absurd and ridiculous, and and try to assert that this is just modern life that we've. Kind of outgrown the need for intact family units. You can go all the way to Hillary Clinton. You know, it takes a village. Let's all come together and raise children together. This whole mindset of the left to not acknowledge, to never acknowledge the value of a dad in the home for children and, and the, the benefit to children as they grow up, it is part of the left's ongoing destruction of America. And it is not because people who push fatherhood and celebrate fatherhood are not doing that to become kind of the moral uh, judges of all people to mock or ridicule. It's because it's best for children. Very quick numbers is to share with you the consequences of our society's abandonment of the idea of an intact family unit with a mom and a dad. 90%, and these are, these are just astonishing and true numbers. And by the way, what I'm reading from, you can read on our website, americacanwetalk.org. If you go to americacanwetalk.org, on that website, under the homepage under shows, drop down list of links, it will show you the uh, link to this article from which I'm getting this data. 90%, nine zero, 90% of all homeless and runaways come from fatherless homes. Just stop and think about that. What other factor is there there a parallel of that kind except for fatherlessness? 90% of all homeless and runaways come from fatherless homes. 85% of youth in prison... 85% of youth in prison come from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescents who are treated for drug abuse come from fatherless homes. The numbers go on and on and on and on. Children who grew up without a father in the home, actively participating in raising the children, end up with a higher likelihood of dropping out of high school, joining a gang, becoming addicted to drugs, getting arrested, going to prison, everything you never hope for every precious baby born. You never want to happen. And I want to wrap up the first five by saying this. This idea of fatherhood and and, an intact family unit is about as old as time. The concept that Hillary Clinton and many leftists point of just kind of eye rolling at the idea of the roles of father or the importance of fatherhood and writing books like it takes a village is not mere um, observation, not based on observation about American society. And we seem to be drifting away from families. It is the ongoing cultural rot in our country that convinces people that we've kind of we're kind of post-modern, post-family. We're, we're post the provincial idea of families uh, and, and kids needing families. But there's a political agenda. When children grow up without a father in the home and they end up with all the consequences that I just painted for you, they become more likely to be on welfare, more likely to be impoverished, more likely, therefore, to be controlled by, funded by the leftist big government state, which they are growing in this country it is the most noble it is not old fashioned it is not puritanical it is not primitive it is not outrageous it is the most basic thing that we can do as a society is to reinforce the idea of people of young people babies children yeah, you know young adults needing a father and mother in the home as role models now to be very clear i have friends who are single parents my grandmother was a single parent. My father's mother raised all seven kids—five boys and two girls—without the father around because he abandoned the family. This is not a criticism of moms who do their very best raising children in a single family in a single parent home. I'm not denigrating those moms. They do—they they do yeoman's work. They—they they, you know, deserve uh, medals and honor. But the concept of societally, how we think about ourselves, what we picture for America's future, what we agree is acceptable, we need to get back to the presumption, the assumption, and, the, uh, and really the societal, cultural pressure from churches and institutions that encourage people to be in an intact family unit before they begin to have a family. And it is, as the left is fond of saying, it is all for the children. And that, my very fine friend, friends, is today's First Five. Okay, over the weekend, I was thinking about how I could probably dedicate the entire show today, the entire show, to what occurred uh, with respect to the sentencing of Dr. Simone Gold. Now, I will remind you, if you think, I think I know that name, Dr. Simone Gold, uh, she has been on the show numerous times. She actually spoke at my first Women for Freedom Summit back in, the, in 2020. Uh, she spoke in my, at my Women for Freedom Summit. She's both a medical doctor and a lawyer and she's the founder of America's Frontline Doctors. She was one of the very first doctors early on under COVID who spoke up and said, you know, there's something uh, amiss here with the way the government is handling this pandemic. She spoke up very early on as as the uh, COVID people became aware of COVID, as the uh, Dr. Fauci's of the world, the NIH and CDC began putting... uh, programs out and and just decide on a course of action. We said basically in America, uh, this was Fauci's plan in America. uh, We're basically gonna tell you all to stay home. Just stay home if you get sick and only come to the hospital when you can barely breathe and you might be dying. And then we'll put you on a ventilator, which will for sure kill you And Fauci was pushing Remdesivir, the medication many doctors have now pointed out, performs extremely poorly in helping people who have COVID. So early on, Dr. Simone Gold, along with many other brave doctors in this country, began speaking up and saying, why is our entire medical establishment, from NIH on down, pushing the idea that there are no effective medicines for COVID? So she started pointing out in her practice of medicine in California, You can actually, for COVID, especially early on, hydroxychloroquine works very well. Uh, Later, ivermectin was discovered to be extremely effective. Inhaled budesonide, which is a steroid, helps people who have asthma, was wonderful in treating COVID patients. So she was one of the early doctors willing to speak up as the medical establishment, along with the uh, the American mob, the left, the mob of the American left, you know, the media, the, the government, the bureaucracy, the left wing of America, just clamped down and, and Fauci continued to, uh, repeatedly to challenge the idea that anything else could be effective in treating COVID. And she said, I don't think so. You know, I think actually, and she and other doctors formed America's Frontline Doctors. They actually held that wonderful press conference all in their white doctor's coats On the steps of the Supreme Court or the Capitol, whichever it was. Anyway, they were in Washington, did that, and she has been bold and outspoken uh, on all sorts of COVID issues. And their website, if you just want to look up America's Frontline Doctors, I think it's AFLDS.org, AFLDS.org, they spoke up and said, look at all the, here are the true facts. And then they began analyzing the the vaccines once they became available and how harmful they were and whether they were helpful, what they actually did for people. It's a website full of information, but she made herself an enemy of the Biden administration. She made herself an enemy of the Biden administration because she kept speaking up fearlessly about the idea that we have in our country um, a, a bizarre, odd, unnecessary and dangerous reaction to COVID. So she speaks up, she says this, well, she also went to Washington on January 6, 2021. And at that day, this was the day in Washington where the um, United States Congress was holding the constitutionally required you know, meeting in Congress with uh, presided over by vice, then Vice President Pence, you know, members of the House and Senate all gathered together, and their job was they were supposed to assess the um, and really just confirm that there's a dispute about how much discretion they have, but confirm uh, the Electoral College vote uh, from November of 2020. And so on that day, as President Trump is speaking across town, she, Simone Gold, had been offered the opportunity to speak, too, again, on her issue, which is about health care freedom. She's all about the idea of health care freedom. As I say, she's a doctor and a lawyer. So she is there, and, um, and they didn't get to give, she didn't get, get to get the speech that she was supposed to give that day. It got cut off early. She walked with the whole crowd in Washington on January 6, 2021, walks from the area where Trump was over to the Capitol. And... As as she recounts, and no one is refuting, she entered the Capitol because the Capitol police were holding the doors open. Understand that the doors in the Capitol could not be opened from the outside. They ha- they are gigantically heavy. I can't remember the. I mean, they were like tons of of pounds. They're hugely heavy on purpose. And the only way they could be open was with a code which had to have been put in by the Capitol police. So they let people in. She enters the Capitol. She decides when she's in the Rotunda, the Capitol to give the speech that she was going to give had she had her opportunity back over where the Trump rally was. So she gives her speech, basically about health care freedom. And she's on camera, she's not trying to hide, and she just enters the rotunda, gives her speech, and turns around and leaves. That's what she did on January 6, 2021. So a few weeks later, a few weeks later, uh, she's back home in California, and uh, authorities, now I'm not sure it was the FBI or the local police uh, uh, carried out the warrant. But they literally broke down her front door in the middle of the night. Twelve officers armed with machine guns break down her door, something you think you would save for an actual criminal, and arrested her, put her in handcuffs, arrested her. She spent two days in jail, and she became one of the many people charged in connection with the events of January 6, 2021. So she was charged, and I'll, I'll say this, I am telling her story to you today because, number one, she got sentenced last Thursday. She actually was uh, messaging last Thursday morning, you know, I'm being sentenced today, and then by the time I did my show last Thursday, which, by the way, was a great interview with Alan West, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, but in any case, I didn't know the answer yet, but it turns out, so she's sentenced last week on, on Thursday, sentenced to actual 60 days in prison. 60 days in jail and a payment of a fine a little less than $10,000, $9,500 or something, um, and a full year after that of essentially, essentially um, house arrest, I mean, limited freedom. Okay, I want you to sit back and think about this. We're going to talk about this for, for quite a while today because I could be telling this story about a whole bunch of other people who were January 6th defendants they, and a whole bunch of other people who did committed no violence— Broke nothing, threatened no one, harmed no one, and actually entered the Capitol because the Capitol Police opened the doors and left when she was told to leave. Left when the Capitol Police came on, and said, okay, time to leave. This woman, this doctor and lawyer... All she did, she ended up pleading guilty. You know, there were several charges against her, and as many people did, they were advised by their lawyers to plead guilty. So she did. She pled guilty uh, to one misdemeanor, uh, which was a single misdemeanor, uh, which was entering a restricted area in the Capitol. Now, again, the Rotunda is not a restricted area in normal life. The Rotunda, I mean, I've been there, I I didn't even know, 50 times, 75 times. I went to law school in Washington, D.C., I used to go over to the Capitol all the time. I love doing that. Uh, tourists go there all the time. It's not like she entered the secret, you know, cloak room or some other secretive meeting room. She's in the rotunda, where, where I mean, literally millions of Americans have been. Read her speech because she kind of wanted to give her speech and left. She's going to spend apparently 60 days in jail for entering a restricted area, an area which that day was was opened by the, opened to the public by the Capitol Police. And I want to really focus on this because you might be thinking, okay, okay, this sounds unfair. What I'm talking about today, what I'm going to be talking about throughout the show today, is not just how bad it is, what happened to her. And I have more to tell you about what happened to her. But it's not just what happened to her. It is the reality. It is the reality that we are losing the rule of law in America. Or maybe you say, have lost the rule of law in America. We have a federal government, we have an FBI and a DOJ that could barely find the time to even look into the massive actual destruction, massive actual destruction caused during the BLM riots, the Antifa riots, all of that. They could barely find a reason to even look into it. But they are going after... The FBI and the DOJ, with the instigation and encouragement of Congress in the form of the J-6 committee, are going after people who did nothing other than enter the Capitol. And you have to understand what the real message is. The real message of this prosecution and of this sentencing, it's actually several real messages. One is, and this is coming from the totalitarian, tyrannical left that now controls this country, they're telling you in America, nobody dares challenge the January, the uh, November 2020 elections? Nobody. Because the entire point, the entire point of what happened on January 6th was that millions of Americans, and as some segment of those Americans came to Washington, they understand that the election was stolen. They have read enough. They've learned enough. enough they understand that. Or they at least understood there are very, very, very serious questions about the legitimacy of the election, and they didn't like that Congress was just going to, you know, skate over it and confirm the uh, Electoral College outcome. So what the J-6 committee is telling America, what the DOJ and the FBI are telling America is nobody challenges an election especially because, you know, the, the, the uh, dear leader has been elected, the leader of the Democrat Party, the one who got the nomination, he's been elected. Nobody challenges him. Nobody challenges anything about that election. In fact, as an, an aside, this is what the Department of Homeland Security is saying through their two bulletins they've issued since the time of the election, which is essentially to say, you American people, if you even talk about The 2020 election. If you even think about challenging the legitimacy of the 2020 election, you just might be a domestic terrorist. So the left is telling America nobody challenges our dear leader, Biden, no one challenges this leftist takeover of America, and we will bring the power of the federal government down on you if you even think about it. If you entered the Capitol on January 6th and peacefully read a speech and left, and this is not, you know, I mean, the fine is bad enough. is you know, a little under $10,000. i am sure she can afford it. But it is the larger message being sent to a responsible, law-abiding citizen with no criminal record. You're going to go to federal prison on top. So that was one message out of this prosecution. It's also a message to future people, whoever, any, any American ever even thinking about challenging anything related to the Biden administration. They're telling you, don't you even think about challenging anything. It's the same thing DHS has said about COVID. Nobody challenges COVID policy. Nobody challenges it, regardless of the fact that the vaccines are dangerous and Americans know it. Nobody is allowed to do that, even say these words because you're challenging our dear leader and the propaganda being put out by the anti-American left and you're not allowed to say otherwise. So back to this sentencing, though, because I just can't tell you how consequential this is. If they can do this... Put Dr. Simone Gold in prison, in jail for 60 days for peaceably walking in the Capitol, reading a speech and leaving. No one in this country is safe, including you, including your children, including anyone who speaks up. This is the message of out of the January 6th commission. The FBI and the DOJ is saying to America, nobody better speak up because look what will happen to you. This government... This illegitimate Biden administration has weaponized the DOJ and the FBI and, frankly, the IRS. And, you know, a broad swath of the bureaucracy in Washington weaponized the federal government against their political opposition. This is what we are watching. You would think I'm talking about Russia under Stalin or some other totalitarian country where there's no rule of law, but we're talking about America. We're talking about America, that you, if you dare speak against the government, you may just go to jail. And I want to tell you some other outlandish things. So I told you the uh, FBI broke her door down. dozen law enforcement assault rifles broke her door down, arrested her. Um, But the other thing that I want to make a point about that happened in her sentencing, which is simply, uh, I mean, I can't even think of a word that is uh, sufficient, the judge is a, so it's a federal court judge, U.S. District Court judge, Christopher Cooper. Christopher Cooper. He was the one who decided the sentence based on her uh, plea. She, as I told you, she did a, a plea, um, pled to this misdemeanor. By the way, this is a misdemeanor she pled to. Pled to misdemeanor, sending her off to jail for 60 days. He also told her, and this is the reason I gave you the backup information or the background information about her. He also, during the time of this uh, sentencing ramble, lecture, this judge gave her, he, number one, falsely stated that five people died on January 6th. And this is a lie that the, because the implication is that the people who entered the Capitol, the people who protested, caused the death of five people. The protesters in Washington... The January 6th protesters, the supporters of Trump, caused zero deaths. Zero. There was a a Capitol Police officer um, who fired and killed, shot and killed an unarmed American veteran. That happened. Now, that is the Capitol Police shooting an unarmed civilian. That happened. And there was an officer whose uh, was, name was first touted, uh, Brian Sicknick, as though somehow he'd been attacked by the protesters, but he hadn't. I mean, he'd been in a scuffle with protesters. But as the D.C. medical examiner testified repeatedly, Brian Sicknick did not die from, as the lies in the media reported, that he was beaten over the head with a fire extinguisher. That didn't happen. This is, this is the medical examiner saying Brian Sicknick sadly and unfortunately died of having several strokes he died of a stroke and he had no because they did an autopsy no evidence of, of being hit over the head no evidence of damage no evidence of having and been the, the recipient of some spray you know so there were also allegations that sprays were used to try to you know um, to sp- to stop the police or shut them down. No evidence of having inhaled anything dangerous, no evidence of being hit over the head. Sadly, and I'm sorry for his family and everyone else, sadly, he passed away from the, uh, the uh, impacts or the outcome of a stroke, or having two strokes in the same day, which often happens. People have a stroke, they often have a second one quickly. So I could go on with the rest of the desk, but understand, this: I don't know if this judge is actually so ignorant and he just reads headlines and doesn't even pay attention, Or he actually knows he's lying, but the implication in the sentencing hearing by Judge Christopher Cooper in sentencing Dr. Simone Gold was the the idea that these protesters killed five people. They died that day. Yeah, there were people who were trampled. I believe there was one person trampled and another person was, according to the story, the eyewitnesses were there beaten to death by the Capitol Police in the tunnel trying to get into the Capitol. But go back. Let me go back to Simone Gold. So um, he also um, he rejected in the sentencing hearing uh, that her uh, exercise of her um, advocacy and her first right, Amendment First Amendment rights, had no relevance. Um, and he uh, he uh, says this is not a political persecution. But then I want to go and tell you the most amazing thing. If you you think that we even have anything resembling what's supposed to be the rule of law in America, this judge said to her in the sentencing hearing he was personally offended that millions of American citizens freely chose to financially support her her political positions in defending medical choice and freedom of speech. So she's been working since COVID came along, to help people get better, to provide medication. She and now thousands of doctors are saying are very effective with COVID. She's trying to stand up and say, people who are suffering and dying, you don't really need to wait until you're nearly on your deathbed and show up at the hospital and get stuck on a ventilator. There are medications, find a doctor, find someone who will prescribe these things. And she has, as thousands of doctors have done, prescribe these medications and people get better. So, and so people donate to her, donate to her organization, AFLDS, America's Frontline Doctors, and in a sentencing hearing, please let this fact sink in, in a sentencing hearing where he is sentencing her for peaceably entering the Capitol with doors open by the Capitol Police, committing no violence, no confrontation with the police, breaking nothing, hurting no one, hurting nothing, Reading a speech and leaving in the sentencing hearing to a misdemeanor plea she made for entering a restricted area, which she didn't do. But, you know, you get arm twisted by lawyers who say, and in fact, I'll tell you something in a moment, a lawyer said not to her, but to another case. In another case, I'm aware of um, he this this judge goes out of his way to mention he's offended that millions of American citizens freely choose to financially support her political positions in defending medical choice and freedom of speech what this has to do with what the facts surrounding her entry to the capitol is nothing he's an outraged leftist an outraged supporter of the left-wing mob rule in this country that says nobody challenges the biden stolen election nobody challenges 2020 nobody challenges fauci nobody challenges anything the now totalitarian ruling government says nobody challenge you're not allowed to do that so this is what happened I, I linked on our website the um, uh, two press releases put out by America's frontline doctors. Uh, one was called "The Loss of Equal Protection," uh, and it had to do that was written, put out I think put out before the sentencing occurred. Um, and she and she did, by the way, in her. Entering her plea, she did express regret for being involved in a situation that later became unpredictable, which is a fair statement. People enter the Capitol, not realizing what was going to happen, and they entered because they were there to support free ele- and fair elections, there to support election integrity. And she said she regretted um, entering be- uh, because the situation became unpredictable. Um, but she, what she, she's talking about, this, this is basically the consequences of exercising free speech in today's America. This is, to use a term of one of her statements, uh, one of the statements from the AFLDS group. This is selective prosecution. This is the government saying, uh, you know, I don't know by the way what's going to happen to Colbert, you know, that uh, late night. He's an, I hate to call him a comedian because he's not funny, but late night staffer guy had a bunch of his staff arrested in the Capitol couple days ago. I'm going to guess that'll just zip out of the news, be forgotten. But she's talking about the idea that in this country, the statements from AFLDS, we're now watching selective, selective prosecution, meaning the state goes after the enemies, goes after the people who speak up against the state. In her particular case, it isn't just that she entered the Capitol on January 6th, but her willingness... To put out on the aflds.org website all sorts of information about how do you get hydroxychloroquine, how do you get to medications that will actually help people, how do you get to uh, getting to um, ivermectin, and how do you get uh, get to the, the medications you may want to take, and and you know a protocol, a prophylactic protocol, meaning basically she and other doctors are saying you know to stay healthy to avoid getting COVID, you can try this combination of ingredients. So she's putting information out based on her medical education, medical practice, medical knowledge. And as I say, thousands of doctors now on board with much of what she's saying. And yet, she's prosecuted for entering the Capitol and doing nothing. Now, this is also, when I say this is selective prosecution, this is the left saying, you know, you challenge the Biden administration, and you, my friends, are toast. You know, I, I might have missed it, but our friends on radio, if you're still listening, this is Debbie Giorgettis. This is America Can We Talk. On your going to a three-minute break. Come back after the break to America Can We Talk. I call this next segment uh, the Fundamental Destruction of America and the J-6 Committee, and it's kind of carrying on with um, the uh, topic I was on a moment ago. Why this is so consequential to understand. And the story, I just, I went on and on telling you the story, and I could give you more details uh, about Dr. Simone Gold, is because she's a friend. She's a really good person. She's not a lawbreaker. She's a She stridently fights for the health of her patients. She fights for truth in medicine. She fights that people understand what is true in medicine and what's not, and, and helps people to get better in an era when a lot of folks are not You know, a lot of doctors just chose the easy route of just saying, just do whatever Fauci says. Just do whatever Fauci says. Okay, so I can't prescribe the things I want because Fauci gets mad at me. She's been brave. Therefore, she has embarrassed the Biden administration. She has embarrassed the uh, NIH and Fauci and many other people, and she is the leader. And this is what I mean when I say we are watching not just selective prosecution, we're watching the weaponization of the power of the American government against someone who dares to embarrass them and speak up against them. People, if we don't challenge this, if we don't have, and there should be, every elected Republican House and Senate in Washington should be on the floor of the House, standing up, denouncing this, speaking up, but they are too, most of them, nearly all of them, are too afraid to. They're too afraid to speak up. They don't want to be the next one to be the victim of this massive mob movement that is today's American left mob on Twitter, on all social media, on the mainstream, you know, the alleged mainstream outlets of Washington Post and New York Times, blah, 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 blah. All the left wing media outlets, all of social media, all the power in Washington is all on the same side of the leftist mob now taking down America. That's what's happening, and there are very, very few people brave enough in Washington to speak up and say, you know what, I'll speak up, I'll say this is wrong too few people are willing to speak up she is one of them along with many other doctors uh, we've had oh we've had dr richard bartlett on this show uh numerous times um he'll be speaking at my summit this fall um we've we've had many doctors uh, on the show talking about this just travesty of the way we uh, treat medical patients in this country for covid and really the that, that argument being made that the death the uh, you know blood is on the hands of those who kept trying to silence people who wanted to speak up. And a lot of conversation we had about with with, um, uh, with our guest very recently, Dr. Peter McCullough wrote a book with John Leake talking about, and, and welcome back to our radio listeners. This is Debbie george Jass America Can We Talk. I, I'll, I'll wrap up this point um, on about COVID, which is the interview we had recently with Dr. Peter McCullough and a co-author named John Leake. These two people wrote a book essentially laying out why the government had the reaction they did related to COVID. And the answer was the biomedical pharmaceutical government industrial complex. Just like Eisenhower warned about the military industrial complex, we have in America today, the biomedical, the the pharmaceutical companies, the biomedical researchers, the federal government, FDA, all these people are in bed with each other. They reward each other, they reinforce each other, they, they cause each other to grow in wealth. And the people left out of that, the people who suffer from that cabal are the American people who can't get truth out of the medical community. But I call this segment, and I wanna really try to run through some examples of what I mean. I I call this segment this idea that uh, the fundamental destruction of America and the J6 committee. We've been talking about what the January 6th committee is doing in terms of just trying to criminalize and, and grotesquely examining, uh, expanding what they're investigating. They're investigating every single person who even you know, cheered Trump on. Anyone who showed up at the Capitol, even if they didn't enter the Capitol, they have beaten down the door. They have literally you know, smashed down the door of people who never even entered the Capitol that day. This is a witch hunt for everyone who supports Trump. Everyone who who challenges the 2020 elections and expanding that, it is a message to the American people. Nobody challenges this leftist cabal that has now seized power in America. That is their message. But I want to tell you some other ways in which I'm saying the Biden administration, leaving aside entirely January 6th and election fraud, what the Biden administration is doing to America are only the things you would do if your mission was to take down America. My good friend Frank Gaffney regularly uses the expression: "It's a wrecking operation against America." I'll just do one little uh, piece of it. I'm going to run through some examples, but one has to do with inflation, and you might have, um, you know, noticed inflation is bad, gas prices are high, uh, and and you know we're talking about an impending food shortage, which we're actually already starting to see in Texas, but. Back to this inflation thing. Over the weekend, one of the uh, Biden administration people, and I'm sorry I did not write down their name, but a Biden official was on one of the weekend shows trying to talk about the idea that the inflation in this country that is out of control, gas prices out of control, is because of Russia and the Russia-Ukraine war. So, Mr. I have, by the way, Emilio here today, my uh, producer, yay, yay. Emilio, this is clip five. It's an inflation chart. You can put that up. Okay, leave that up for a second, please. I want to just talk about this. So bear in mind what the message is of the uh, Biden team is that the reason inflation is so bad is because those mean Russians invaded Ukraine. The Russians are wrong to invade Ukraine, or they have their reasons. But look at the chart, the blue that you're looking at on the bottom, President Biden takes office in January of 2021. And so you have you know, a little bit of inflation going up, very little from February 20 to January 21. Okay, so the next, the yellow, where the yellow, um, uh, well, yellow starts, the first yellow square kind of in the middle says American Rescue Plan signed into law. That was March 11, 2021. American Rescue Plan is part of the, as is everything else I had the January 6th committee, everything else going after people like Simone Gold and January 6th defendants, the American Rescue Plan is part of this takedown of America, takedown of the economy of America, make Americans helpless, weak, and reliant by spending mountains of money we don't have printing money, therefore driving up inflation. So that happens on March 11, 2021. Look all of the yellow line going up and up and up and up and up and up from March 11, 2021, until you see the top left yellow square says Russian invasion of Ukraine, which happened on February 24th, 2022. Point being, Liar, liar, pants on fire. Inflation is not happening because of Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. It's happening directly as a result of Biden administration policies. They are spending money we don't have, printing money as though it's a monopoly game. And therefore, because they print so much money, it devalues the value of each dollar, meaning you need more dollars to buy one thing. Okay, next example of what I wanna say, this Biden administration wrecking wrecking operation against the people of America. there is a, uh, the, the stuff on energy, I, I just, we talked about, I think I did a fairly lengthy segment last week about this, but when you're the Biden administration and, and day one, you come in, you shut down uh, pipelines, and, and since that time, all the policies that have oozed out of this slimy operation is the Biden administration have been designed to shut down American production of our own energy resources shut down the production of energy of America's energy resources. This is a Biden administration commitment, effort, endeavor. And it is, they always can excuse it by saying, well, but climate change, what about climate change? We have to fix climate change. And so because they can say the word climate change over and over, they justify all of this robbing of America, of the blessings of our own natural resources. And so you therefore have, of course, gas prices getting high, causing people to be unable to travel, and especially younger people with lower income just getting started, can't afford to drive to work can't afford to drive have to either change jobs or change where they live because gas costs too much to go to work even you know I, I mentioned previously we took a week off because my husband and i moved out of the city into the countryside and so we have now getting anyone to come to the house to make a repair they're adding on a gas uh, you know surcharge they sorry to come out in the country out there where you live a gas surcharge didn't happen before it has to happen now because of what Biden has done to gas prices, and so there, his answer, of course, is, well, don't worry, we'll import oil from Venezuela, the communist enemy of America. Well, not it's not the enemy of the American left, but you know, communism was clearly an enemy of America. Venezuela is going to produce oil in the same way we produce oil, and probably less efficiently and not as environmentally consciously. But so somehow we can't produce energy in America. We can go buy it from Venezuela. The Biden administration is trying to make the American economy get weak. They're trying to weaken the American people. And by the way, another example, I talk about the Biden administration. We are watching a slow rolling Marx, Marxist takeover of America, one solution the Biden team offered was well, you know, since gas prices are getting so high, we, the federal government, whose policies are driving gas prices up and driving inflation, we will issue to lower income Americans a credit they can use to purchase gas. So, this is the idea that if you're lower income American and you need, you can't afford gas, they'll send you money to buy your gas. And again, you know, for the economic illiterate you know the economic and economics kindergartner and you could say oh great great they're going to there don't worry they've solved it they're going to send me money or they're going to send me a credit to use to buy gas but understand the government is sending you a credit so you can go to the gas station and say hey i get whatever it's going to be is six three free gallons or i get you know half off It's paid for by the American people paid for by the taxpayer. It's not the government's money. You're just making your fellow citizens or the Biden team is making your fellow citizens cough up the money to pay for your gas and again for them to collect money. In order to pay for these things, they have to raise taxes, which causes people who are productive, who work, who want to have income and want to work, it causes them to not want to work. I mean, this is a, and and what it also does, and this is so important understanding what the Biden administration is doing, they are striving, they're working as hard as they can to cultivate a growing dependency class. They're trying to have more and more Americans think of the government as a source of their housing, their food, their medical care, and now their transportation. You, they are cultivating what a communist dream is, which is a helpless citizenry who can't even function without the government, Wait for the government to send a new mailing out or a new program out or a new promise. Don't worry, we're not gonna let you starve to death. So we're gonna have, you know, f- We're going to have more food stamps and more subsidized housing and more uh, help with the gasoline. This is a government and is not—please understand, this is not an unintended consequence of the Biden administration. It is the plan. They want you to feel—they want more and more Americans dependent because the last thing the Marxists trying to take over this country can stand is a country filled with self-reliant Americans— who want to support themselves, want to take care of themselves, and they are, they are cultivating dependency and weakness on purpose. Please understand that. Another uh, adventure the Biden administration is on, it's just very important to understand. Um, and by the way, before I forget about January 6th, I mentioned, meant to mention one other point. So one of the clowns uh, on the January 6th committee was on one of the talk shows over the weekend, and, and, and he actually was a staffer, I believe a previous staffer for Adam Kinzinger, who should not have an R by his name. He's just a lefty, but he keeps the R. Anyway, this staffer was making the point that when you listen to what the January 6th committee you know, show trial, the people are saying, the committee members are saying, it really sounds like they are presenting the case not to convince the American people that they're right because the American people are not on board with them. They don't like this. They don't like what the government is doing. They aren't watching this idiotic show trial. This is the January committee putting things out there, trying to convince Merrick Garland and our current Department of Justice to consider prosecuting not just all these other people who are being called up and, and challenged and questioned, but they ultimately, of course, we've talked about this many times, the goal is to get President Trump. The goal of this committee is to get President Trump, to indict him for something. And they are salivating at that idea. But okay, so back to this destruction of America thing. I just think the, I just, I, I want to urge you to think of these things um, not as individual stories. You know, we have this story, then this story, but this is all part of the big anti American leftist totalitarian mission to take down this country. So we have another whole avenue of approach uh, of destruction of America, weakening of America, has to do with the Democrats are, are trying to do legislatively to target the suburbs, as in, not the city and not the countryside, but the suburbs where, you know, I mean, it's, you know, age old American dream story. You know, you, uh, People get married and have kids and they want to live in an area that is safe, that has good schools, that has good, a, a, you know, a sense of community safety and, and a sense of community, has police and fire and the, you know, the entities you need to keep your life safe. And so suburbs are like a safe haven out of the violence of the inner city. And it's the American dream for everyone of every race, ethnicity, national origin and skin color to get out of the crime ridden areas and into the suburbs. And the reason the left hates the suburbs is because these are people they can't control. These are people who actually like, like to live the suburban lifestyle, like to have that self-reliant, like to be the one to go to work and earn the money and drive home in their car and be able to put food on the table and be able to maybe you know uh, put a sunroom on the house or maybe be able to pay for their kids' soccer team's uh, uniforms and such. This is the American dream. And the left, the big... Big thinking on the anti-American Marxist left is: we've got to cut out this the benefits of the suburbs, the uh, the allure of the suburbs, because they know they can't control the people, cannot control them if they do not um, uh, do this somehow. If they don't, if they live in the suburbs and they're out of the control that you know the clutches of the left, and so there are all sorts of bills pending. Especially in the New York State Legislature, because all of this, many of it, much of it, has to do with uh, zoning. But the New York Legislature—they have a whole slew of bills, a whole slew list of bills—in the legislature, essentially, make it harder and harder and harder and harder for communities in the suburb to make themselves into a, a, a safe haven for, um, for families who want to come out there. They're, they are designed to—I mean, there are things like um, letting the state override all uh, local zoning. Uh, permit and enable the construction of what they call ADUs, accessory dwelling units, apartments like above garages and standalone dwellings. The point is the kind of things that in the uh, suburbs, you'd have a, a zoning commission, which is elected, responsive to the people. The people would say, you know, we really don't want to have, you know, a chicken slobbering plant next to a, a local elementary school. I mean, zoning makes life better and pleasant for everyone. But zoning is a local authority. So what's happening in New York, there are five or six bills pending uh, that essentially would say, four bills pending, uh, that essentially would take away the power of the local zoning entities and put it in the hands of the state. All because this, I mean, New York State is the epitome of the leader in this moving America toward Marxism, toward government-controlled society, and shutting down these crazy Americans who actually like suburbs, like freedom. There are a whole bunch of other things they're doing, but I'm going to run out of time uh, before I get to my last issue. I don't want to do that. So I want to ask um, very quickly, Mr. Emilio, if you would put up um, – I sent you this um, – this uh, Save the Date flyer. I wanna quickly mention again, I won't run through all the names, but everybody listening, wherever you are, please, please mark your calendar, save the date of October 15th. October 15th, we have our third annual Women for Freedom Summit, coming up here in Dallas, it will be extraordinary, extraordinary, great, really well-informed guests. You know, I know there are a lot of conferences going on and I go to a lot of them. And frankly, some of them are kind of the Yahoo, you know, uh, you know, just kind of bellowing from the stage and slinging slogans and rah rahing And this is more, this is like, we talked about this summit, we talked, said it's for leaders, thinkers, and doers. The speakers are top-notch, actually well-informed on all the issues facing America. October 15th, you'll soon be able to buy tickets. We're starting to sell tickets on July 4th on my website, americacanwetalk.org. Uh, and I urge you to mark that date. Check out that flyer. is up on the website. Check it out. We'd love to have you. I also want to urge you, I have you um, two other things on our website, americacanwetalk.org. Again, you can take it down, americacanwetalk.org. I want to mention a couple of things on our website. You can subscribe to our newsletter at americatcanwe.org on the homepage hit subscribe once a week newsletter gives you links to everything we've talked about all stuff about the recent show the past interviews we had Alan West on this past Thursday was awesome. I'll tease right now this coming. Thursday we have Sydney Powell coming in studio. Sidney Powell is another American hero of the caliber, truly of the caliber, of Dr. Simone Gold. Outspoken, brave, relentless, takes the arrows, gets criticized, gets mocked, gets ridiculed, gets attacked, and she never wavers. She, Sidney Powell, never wavers from her commitment to the rule of law. She's doing all sorts of things, helping some of the January 6th defendants. She's doing amazing work. So that's this Thursday, don't miss that show. Uh, and then tomorrow, uh, we have Dr. Douglas Frank coming on with us Tuesday show, Dr. Douglas Frank. He's gonna be talking about the astonishing new evidence he has uncovered related to election fraud. I know the media and every left-wing source you read Always in describing anything related to election fraud, will say and the you know mythological, the uh, completely debunked, the completely fraudulent claims of election fraud. The fraud is anyone trying to deny it. That's what's fraudulent, trying to deny the overwhelming evidence. But he's coming on tomorrow. So back to the website. Subscribe to our newsletter. Make a donation. This show is listener-supported. Love to have your help. Listener-supported donation. Uh, you can make a. You hit the Donate button. Please do that. You can also join America Can we Talk at, at that website, americacanmeetalk.org. I'm here $50 a year. I... I I ask you to consider doing that because I do this show. I've done it since the year 2014 with no pay. It's always and only about saving America, and I could use your help. I would so appreciate your help. So those are my quick things for today. Uh, last things I'm going to do today, I want to hit this last story. Uh, and, and really, it's, I, I called it Texas GOP Convention Equals America's Mood. And I, really, I, I think it's really kind of a great way to wrap up the show. So every state has their own. Republican convention and Democrat convention. And it's on their own state schedule. So this just happened to be in Texas this last week with the Texas Republican or Texas GOP convention. And at the convention, among many things, they have, they adopt our platform. Um, they They consider resolutions. They have speakers, and two things happened here at this um, at this uh, Texas GOP convention. They're getting national attention, and I want to uh, mention uh, both of them. One is that the convention itself passed a resolution by voice vote that said. It went through all of the various uh, election. The resolution says, we believe the 2020 election violated Article 1 and 2 of the U.S. Constitution, that various secretaries of state illegally circumvented their state legislatures in conducting their elections in multiple ways, including by allowing ballots to be received after November 3rd, 2020. They went on to say there was substantial election fraud in cities that helped Biden, and the conclusion was, we this is the Texas GOP, Texas Republican Party, We reject the certified results of the 2020 presidential election, and we hold that acting President Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., was not legitimately elected by the people of the United States. And you may think, oh, big deal, that's Texas. It is a big deal. The people who go as as delegates to conventions like this, these are, the, these are the activists who actually read, they stay informed, they're not the once a year, you know, go in and vote and then don't pay any attention. These are the serious, serious thinkers who read and follow things and, they, and I just, I'm telling you because I get more people after speeches and other things asking me, but what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do? This is a good step to at least have on record in America that the GOP in Texas passed a resolution saying Biden was not legitimately elected in 2020. I think it's a huge thing. The other thing that happened was uh, in Texas, as every state does, we have two U.S. senators. Uh, one is our Senator Ted Cruz. He's, you know, rock star. Uh, the other senator from Texas is Senator John Cornyn. And John Cornyn um, has been, uh, you know, he got first elected to the Senate in 2002. And so he's and he just got reelected last year. So he's just starting another six year term in the U.S. Senate. And he was a speaker at the convention. you know, He's invited to speak. And um, the uh, convention people didn't like it too well. So I'm going to start with uh, he essentially he got booed. And I want to play at least clip one. If you can play that, please. in November. Okay, we can cut that one off. I want to also, so what happened, by the way, when you go to the convention, you have, everybody has a name tag with their picture. I've been a delegate many years, I didn't go this year, but a lot of my friends did. So, you get, you have a uh, card that shows you are there as a delegate or some other capacity. And you have to have a lanyard. You have to have a thing around your neck that people can see, make sure all the security people can say, oh, yeah, you're allowed to be here. So the lanyards, all these organizations donate lanyards and say, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, when they check in, put mine in. So they have these good conservative organizations um, that and Canada's elected officials. So, uh, Mr. Emilio, this is clip four. It's a little hard to see. If you can't see, I'll tell you what it is. What happened, and I have a good friend who went to the convention who called me and said, tell me this, everyone who went in to check in, if they were handed a lanyard, you know, the thing around your neck, it was red, it says Senator John Cornyn, nobody wanted to wear John Cornyn, nobody, and, and so they ended up, there were jokes people put all over Facebook, a big pile of unused uh, lanyards, people wouldn't accept them, or they just threw them in the trash, You've even had to go buy a lanyard. They weren't willing to wear his name. And I also want to hit there's another clip. Uh, This is uh, clip two on Cornyn speaking there. Let's turn it up a little bit. Okay. The reason why I don't mean exactly to pick on John Cornyn, although I kind of do. He's a good example of the kind of politician that if America had two parties that were on the American playing field, like we had you know, traditional Republicans and Democrats who maybe like slightly higher taxes or like unions better, but they were on the American playing field. They believed in free markets and freedom and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and private property ownership and capitalism. If the Democrat Party was that... Maybe it wouldn't matter that the Republican has some people like John Cornyn. John Cornyn is a traditional Republican, or to be more clear at this point, he's simply uh, the term rhino, you know, it's in the dictionary. His face is right there. Republican in name only. He never, ever, ever, ever fights for the real issues. Now, as I say, back in the day when, you know, our country was sane, maybe you wouldn't care, so you have a few milk toast, never fight, never want to, you know— make a fuss, senators like Cornyn. But he is the leader. He is among the leaders of the US senators and the Republican Party who are participating in this bill to shut down Second Amendment rights. And I I gotta tell you, what you saw there, I don't normally like anyone being booed on stage. I think that's rude. I think at speeches and college campuses, let a speaker speak. If you don't like him, get a different speaker. But you shouldn't normally boo. I think it's pretty bad. But this is the American people saying they have. this is the conservatives of Texas saying to Cornyn, we have no way to make you listen. You never listen. Don't negotiate with the left at this time on the Second Amendment. It was completely humili- humiliating for him. I'm hoping he took the message back to Washington, uh, to McCall and others, and said, you know what? This gun control thing is not going to fly. Getting booed was a message to America. For radio listeners, we're going off. This is Debbie Giorgettis, America Can We Talk. Come back tomorrow. For everybody else, I close out this show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So, we started our show today on the subject of Make Father's Day Great Again. Father's Day is an emanation of American character and American common sense, a.k.a. America's Judeo-Christian values. We value fathers. Data abounds as to the overwhelming negative impact of fatherless homes. 90% of homeless and runaways are from fatherless homes. 85% of youth in prison, 75% of adolescents treated for drug abuse, 75% of rapists are from fatherless homes. It matters what the left is doing in destroying the American family. Raising a child doesn't take a village. Hillary. It takes a mother and a father. The radical left assault on the nuclear family defies America's values. It defies truth itself and must be rejected. And Dr. Simone Gold's outrageous sentence. Dr. Simone Gold, ER physician, Stanford law grad, founder of a- America's Frontline Doctors, AFLDS, zero criminal record, zero record of, of involvement with violence, a speaker at America Community Talks first summit. Was in Washington, D.C. in January 6th to give a speech on medical freedom. Speech got canceled at the outdoor venue. She went to the Capitol, ushered into the rotunda by Capitol Police, letting people in, read her speech, left that instant. Weeks later, a dozen FBI agents knocked down her door in an early dawn raid, carrying rifles, AR-15s. Months later, pleased guilty to misdemeanor, trespass, misdemeanor, essentially entering a restricted area. Sentenced to 60 days in prison, judge recognizes her unblemished record, but openly unhappy with her efforts to spread, in his terms, COVID disinformation. Few moments in U.S. history mark so clearly an era of moral idiocy, of collapse of honesty and decency at the FBI, DOJ, and among federal judges than a sentence of jail time for Dr. Simone Gold. Ground, swallow, in support of freeing Dr. Gold. Let's hope it succeeds. And Sidney Powell even reached out about this today, and people don't like this. The Fundamental Destruction of America and the J6 Committee. J6 Committee is transparently political theater, but the purpose is profoundly, profoundly subversive. This is an arm of the Democrat Party seeking to impose totalitarian governance on America. There should be no questioning of the 2020 election. There are no questioning of anything Biden's doing. Political opponents shall be jailed or threatened with jail for opposing the regime. And this literally and figuratively means there shall be no free speech. There shall be no due process afforded opponents of this regime. This is a joke and a farce, but it's not funny. This is the intended fundamental destruction of America in real time. And the Texas Geo be a Convention is america's mood just concluded texas gop convention adopted this resolution we reject the certified results of the 2020 presidential election and we hold that acting president joe robinette biden jr was not legitimately elected by the people of the United States. Convention also delivered deafening booze to 20-year Senator John Cornyn about gun control. The GOP convention attendees are informed activists. They know the evidence of 2020 fraud. Like millions of Americans, they're at wit's end waiting for leaders to lead. Go- Texas GOP resolution has no official force of law, but it is resonating across the United States. Texas GOP boos for Cornyn have no force of recall, we don't have recall in Texas, but they are resonating at the US Senate, is the beltway bubble that allows Biden to stay in office finally popping. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today, Remember, tune in tomorrow for Dr. Douglas Frank on this, on this amazing evidence he's developed related to uh, election fraud. And on Thursday, tune in for Sydney Powell and her latest. You will love hearing from her. But most of all, tune in every day, Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time.